Hello and welcome aboard this island nation, the Maritime Programme. Tom McSweeney here with the programme about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, a warning about a new and potentially dangerous activity that's happening in coastal regions, co-steering. Those who co-steer enjoy exploring the coast by rock hopping, shore scrambling, swell riding, cave exploring and cliff jumping. Lack of local knowledge, planning and experience can cause people to get in trouble on the calmest day. And an offer to anglers from Fisheries Ireland. If you consider yourself a sea angler, regardless of your level of ability or enthusiasm, we'd love to hear from you. This Island Nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme. Coming to you from Community Radio Yall, CRY 104FM on the East Cork coastline and bringing together the maritime community, an island people bonded by the sea around us, part of the wonderful maritime world. You can contact the programme by email to thisislandnation at gmail.com. That's thisislandnation at gmail.com and by phone or text to 0872-555-197. That's 0872-555-197. Justin Marr and myself will be bringing you around the maritime world for the next half hour. So stay with us for this marine cruise. Co-steering is a new style of activity around coastal areas which can be exciting, but is also potentially dangerous, as Neve Stevenson, Public Affairs Manager of the RNLI in Ireland, reports. As we come out of lockdown and see restrictions eased, more people are getting back to doing the things they love on our waters, and it's more important than ever to take heed of water safety advice, and also to share it with those we love. In Port Rush, County Antrim, both lifeboat crew and RNLI lifeguards were involved in a call-out to a serious incident involving four people near Dunluce Castle. In calm conditions, a young man lost his life when he was taking part in co-steering. The lifeboat crew with Kinsale RNLI had been called out a couple of weeks before to reports of a young man who had jumped from a height believed to be approximately 25 feet and injured himself when he hit rocks. Those who co-steer enjoy exploring the coast by rock hopping, shore scrambling, swell riding, cave exploring and cliff jumping. The advice for people who may take part in this activity is to always use a recognised national co-steering charter provider and to check that your provider has staff professionally trained in both technical and water safety disciplines. Lack of local knowledge, planning and experience can cause people to get in trouble on the calmest day. We also lost people on inland waters, including a father and son on Loch Heel and a young child on Loch Mask. To all those affected by these losses, we offer our sincere sympathies. You may have heard a little about a book that has just been published on the RNLI, which is a collection of first-hand accounts of some of the most dramatic rescues carried out by our lifesavers over the last two decades. The book, 
surviving the storms has all royalties going to the charity. Of the 11 accounts from across the institution, two took place on this island and those involved received medals for gallantry. One was an incredible feat of bravery by Portrush Ornelai's former station mechanic, Anthony Chambers. He saved the lives of two teenage boys who became trapped in a cave with a fast rising tide. The other is a West Cork lifeboat crew who battled Force 9 conditions to save a fishing crew in danger of hitting rocks in Castletown Bear. I remember both these rescues well, and I thought I knew everything there was to know about them. When you are writing a press release or arranging interviews, you need to know the facts and you need to get used to asking the right questions of modest lifeboat crew that will give you the full story and help you relate it to the public, many of whom have not set foot on a boat or found themselves moments from death. But in reading both Anthony and Castletown Bear Cox and Dean Hegarty's first-hand accounts, I learned so much more. Time has let the rescuers reflect on the events of that day and it has brought a hindsight that is both moving and invaluable. The following are two short extracts. The first is Anthony's thoughts as he brings the second young boy to safety, having swam twice into a cave with a spare life jacket on his arm and getting battered by the crashing waves. He sees his fellow crew member Jared Bradley waiting for him on the inshore lifeboat, but he is exhausted. As we kicked our way towards the boat, I felt the strength draining out of me, like sand out of an egg timer. It slipped away. I'm going to have to let him go. The lifeboat was just ahead of us and Reese was secured in his life jacket. I knew Jared would get him within moments. The boy would be safe. But I can't keep on. Despite the ordeal almost being at an end, the exhaustion was just too much. I prepared to let go and let the waves take me. I knew that as soon as I did, I'd be swallowed up and drown. I just didn't have it in me to fight the waves anymore. But just as I went to release my grip and surrendered myself to the sea, Jared came up alongside us. They got to us, I thought. Dean's account is the moment that he and his lifeboat crew arrive on the scene with minutes to spare. Within 10 minutes of the original Mayday call, we were on the scene. What I saw when we arrived, I can't lie, it almost gave me a heart attack. The way the tide was going out and the wind was coming in, it was churning the sea up and creating a big, watery explosion. There were huge swells reaching six metres, the height of a two-storey house, tossing the fishing boat around like a rag doll and pushing her ever closer to the 60-metre cliffs to the west of the harbour mouth. The gales were now peaking at Storm Force 11. My heart started to race as I watched waves crashing up against the cliffs, with the vessel only 30 or so metres away from the rocky shoreline. Throughout this summer, you are going to see a lot of water safety messaging. Please listen and please share it so that more families don't lose loved ones to drowning. The Ornali has some advice on ornali.org forward slash safety and the partnership with the GAA will see safety messaging shared through their social media channels and with their clubs. Anthony and Dean's rescues ended happily, but it is not the same for every family. Thank you for listening. And if you do one thing after hearing this, share a little safety advice or read up on it yourself. 
and let's please all keep safe this summer. Neve Stevenson reporting from RNLI headquarters in Ireland at Swords in County Dublin. There are major differences between the government and the fishing industry, which has reacted extremely critically to the granting of 50 million euros from state funds and no European money needed there, all exchequer money, given to beef farmers to compensate for the impact of COVID-19, and 25 million euros to the arts for the same reason. The level of support of the fishing industry is calculated by the country's four major fish producers' organisations to be just a quarter of a million euros, and that with assistance offered from the European Union. The chief executive of one of those producer organisations, Hugo Boyle, of the Irish South and East Fish Producers, told me why there's such anger in the fishing industry against the way the government has treated fishermen. First and foremost, we need to get something or other uh, sorted out with uh, the department. So um, it was one of his last flings there when um, he gave 50 million from exchequer funds to the, the agriculture sector, to the farmers, and uh, and I'm sure well-deserved. We, uh, we don't begrudge them anything at all whatsoever. But uh, they indicated to us that there was absolutely no way that they could actually uh, dig into exchequer funds uh, for aid, for an aid package for the fishing industry. Yet, they're able to turn around and do this, do it for other uh, sectors. I mean, uh, not alone is the farmers, another 25 million for arts there uh, today. And where we are in the scheme of things, I wouldn't actually be uh, telling anybody things that they don't already know, especially in the industry. Uh, we have uh, a new program for government there at the moment. Uh, that program for government for the agriculture and food sector uh, comes to, I think, 14 pages. And there's a bit thrown in at the end of it, starting on page 12, for the marine element of it. Uh, obviously, uh, a token response uh, to, I suppose, the marine in general, not alone the fishing industry, they talk in the agriculture sector, the leisure sector, and so on and so forth. And the plans that are in it there at the moment would indicate that um, what's in it, uh, somebody, I suppose, in the department or some civil servants, I would say they just copied and pasted, pasted uh, stuff that was already in the public domain. There's nothing new in it. And... Uh, I would consider it to be just more political whitewash. So that's the status and the scheme that we're held in, uh, in internally, I suppose, and in, with the minister and this department. Unfortunately, we still haven't got the aid with the, that we were, have requested. The tie-up scheme, they made a big deal of the tie-up scheme, uh, which wasn't fit for purpose as far as we are concerned. The tie-up scheme, the uptake in it, has been very, very low. I would imagine that they're very disappointed with the uptake in the t- of the tie-up scheme. And at current levels, at the current level, in other words, the continuation of the June applications and the ones that were successful in their applications, at the current, at that particular level, the tie-up scheme will cost uh, just over a quarter of a million. It doesn't compare in any way whatsoever to 50 million. That's what the tie-up scheme will cost over the three months at current levels. 
I think it's a boom and disgrace. Hugo Boyle, chief executive of the Irish South and East Fish Producers Organisation, outlining anger in the fishing industry. 1.9 million people live within five kilometres of the coastline in Ireland. And given the restrictions over the past few months, many have taken the opportunity to rediscover the beaches around them. The Explorers Education Programme, provided through the support of the Marine Institute, works to give primary school children a better understanding of our seas and oceans, and has produced an Explorers Seashore Guide workbook to help children discover the life on their beaches. The workbook is now available free online, and the programme is encouraging parents to use it with their children outside of the classroom over the summer months. Kushla Drumgul Regan, the book's author, told me about the idea behind the Explorers Seashore Guide workbook. The Explorers Education Programme is funded by the Marine Institute and one of the deliverables with the programme is that we reach over 12,000 primary school children around Ireland through the different uh, modules that we deliver. One in particular is the seashore safaris. So we would be sort of working with about 150 classes, which equates to about 4,000 children a year. And the book itself has come from working with children and also working with teachers to sort of look at how they're going to the seashore to prepare them to go to the seashore and then also documenting what they're doing at the seashore and afterwards to be inspired by the shore. So a lot of the book is in itself supports primary school education from sort of like sciences through living things to geography or even through the arts using the seashore for inspiration. And what's the idea of bringing the workbook out at this time? Well, obviously, with regards to parents having to um, now sort of take on that responsibility of um, teaching their children at home, we brought it out early with the idea that we would help parents and also help teachers who were sort of working with their children from home, that they could use the book going down to the seashore. Particularly now where we're able to sort of move around with our counties, there's a lot of people who have taken more time to appreciate the environment and nature around us. So the seashore is a prime example of where people are rediscovering and rediscovering their childhood too. And so parents being able to share those experiences with their children is really, you know, really great. At the moment, you're asking parents to take on the role of the teacher. How does a parent go about taking on that role and answering the questions that children will inevitably have? So there's, the book itself is broken into different areas where you can actually do a lot of the work from home. So, for example, um, when you're looking at tides or you're looking at safety on the seashore or you're looking at some things like the conservation codes, those are all things that children can look up online. So it's supporting also your, their ICT skills. For example, I mean, tides can be really complicated <laughs> to explain to children. The idea behind what's dedicated to the page in the book is that they create their own interpretation and, and cartoon drawing about explaining tides. So it's keeping it very simple in the terms of sort of like when tides are going out and when tides are going in. And then it leans to the idea of when you're going to the seashore, what things do you need to do to prepare to be safe? And so it's from the clothing you're wearing, the shoes that you're wearing, you're making sure that you know when the tide is going to be a low tide and that you're heading out like an hour before it's low tide so you can work down the seashore with the tide. And then also being aware of water safety. And from that idea is that children would create a poster to highlight those things that they're learning. And then the conservation code are things like environmental awareness. So it's being conscious of how they treat animals when they're down on the seashore. And so when they're picking up rocks, that they're putting the rocks back 
connected. And a lot of that information is supported on the Explorers website, which is explorers.ie. So there's lots of other additional resources there that parents and teachers and children can use to do some of their research. But generally, they'd find a lot of the answers and a lot of materials on the website. So it's an opportunity for not only children to learn more about their shoreline, but also their parents as well. Absolutely. We, you know, we're an island nation and I think it's over half the population live five kilometres from the seashore. So there's that idea that with the Explorers Programme and, you know, it supports the Marine Institute's goals and also Camden Education's goals is that, you know, by creating ocean champions, we really need to know what's at our, our doorstep. So it gives them the opportunity to learn about the geological environment that they're in and how that seashore is created. But then also just the amazing different adaptations that animals have and how they're living in different types of conditions. So when you see it and when you touch it, you become a lot more aware of the environment. And I think that is one of the key things about being ocean literate. For you to be able to communicate about the ocean, you really need to have a really good understanding how we influence the ocean, but also how the ocean influences us. Kushla Drumgul Regan, author of the Explorer's Seashore Guide Workbook. A great project and very, very good for children. Parents, take note. Hundreds of seafarers around the world have been on their ships for several months without being able to get off for the leave periods they were due because of the COVID-19 restrictions on travel. They can't get through ports to go home. They've been maintaining the world's trading routes, delivering vital supplies to nations, but there are increasing warnings that their situation, stranded on their ships, must be resolved because it poses a threat to the world's shipping fleets. Justin Marr has more now in his news roundup about what's happening in home and overseas waters. Pope Francis has paid tribute to seafarers stuck on ships for several months due to COVID-19. The United Nations has said this situation poses a risk to safe operation of the world's merchant fleet. In a special video message to seafarers, Pope Francis said that maritime personnel and fishermen had provided the world with its primary needs during the pandemic and should be remembered and properly treated. Hundreds of seafarers have been unable to get off their ships after their duty service periods were completed because countries would not let them travel through ports. As a result of those restrictions, replacement crews could not travel to the ships either. The situation is easing in some countries, but so many seafarers are still trapped aboard, unable to get home, that seafaring unions have been threatening strike action, which could have a serious effect on shipping transport. The work of seafarers has been noted by Dublin Port Company, which has delivered 500 care packs to international seafarers on ships arriving in Dublin Port as a thank you for their frontline service during the coronavirus crisis. The historic reenactment of the first yachting offshore racing event in Irish and British waters, the Kingstown to Queenstown race of 1860, that's from Dunlura to Cove in the modern names of the town, which had been planned for this summer, has been postponed to July of 2022 due to the COVID-19 restrictions on sailing. IFA Aquaculture, which represents the country's fish farmers, says that no assistance has been offered to the aquaculture sector to help it cope with the problems caused by COVID-19, despite discussions with the Department of the Marine and several proposals which were put forward by the IFA. Aquaculture is not understood by government, the IFA says. And finally, 
Marine scientists say they have discovered a prehistoric nursery site where great white sharks were once concentrated along the Pacific coast of Chile and Peru. Great white shark teeth, two to five million years old, were found. And researchers in Antarctica have found a 68-million-year-old egg the size of a football, which they say is the largest soft-shelled egg on record and the second-largest egg ever discovered. They think it belonged to a mosasaur, which was a reptilian sea monster that lived during the age of dinosaurs in what is now Antarctica. With the advancement of the phased return to some form of normal life following the COVID-19 lockdown, the National Sailing Organization, Irish Sailing, is discussing with Sport Ireland, the government representative body for sport, how yacht racing can be restarted with full racing crews. At present, sailing is limited to solo sailors and single-family households. Maintaining social distance of two metres between crew members aboard a yacht is difficult. Another problem facing the owners of racing yachts is that insurance companies are hiking their charges quite heavily. Now to the angling world and that offer of a reward from Fisheries Ireland. Miles Kelly has the details in his monthly report. Hello to all the anglers listening in. Miles Kelly from Inland Fisheries Ireland here again to give a quick roundup of the news from the world of fishing. While we all spent most of the past two months confined to within a short distance of our homes, at least we had some fine weather to keep our spirits up to see us through the tough times. Now that we've been given a bit of freedom to travel and maybe get out fishing again, the weather's taken a turn for the worse, with low temperatures and thunderstorms working against those looking to wet a line. But the Irish angler is a hardy creature and one well used to timing his adventures to best suit conditions, so it's no surprise that charter boat anglers were amongst the first out of the blocks with the relaxing of travel restrictions. Ian O'Shea out of Cork Harbour and fishing mate Aaron managed to land a poor beagle shark after three failed attempts, and that makes it the first reported shark capture of the year. It was also great to hear of the seasonal return of blue shark to Irish waters this week. These much-travelled species spend their lives wandering the open oceans and usually arrive off the Irish coast in late May, as the water temperatures warm up. They'll be spending the summer months patrolling the Irish coast before migrating south again in the autumn. West Cork-based charter skipper Dave Edwards managed to land the first blue shark of the season for Conor O'Reilly, who he had brought out fishing in return for Conor doing some work on his boat. The shark tipped the scales at £94, so that should have covered most of the debt. Dave also landed a poor beagle shark, making it a fine start to the sharking season. Not to be outdone on the sharking scene, Sean Maguire also managed to get in on a poor beagle action off the Clare coast this time, as he combined some sharking with mixed species fishing to send his Polish clients home with smiles on their faces after a good day out. For all the hopeful salmon anglers out there, IFI have made salmon licenses available from their shop online. The license will be sent directly to your phone or computer where you can print it off. Tags will follow on the post and anglers can fish catch and release while waiting for the tags to arrive. We're also in the process of updating our permit shop, so keep an eye out on that. We're all still operating under the COVID-19 restrictions, which is limiting our movements around the country. We urge anglers to adhere to all the government guidelines related to COVID-19 and hope that we can continue our path towards recovery. IFI is continuing to review the government advice as it comes out and updated its roadmap for return to water, which gives guidelines on what anglers can expect at each stage of our recovery. Many charter boat skippers, angling guides and guest houses will look gaps in their schedules over the coming months 
due to cancellations from foreign tourists this year. So it's a good time to get out there and take advantage of their angling knowledge and sample some of the best fishing Ireland has to offer. IFI has a list of charter boats and angling guides on the website and as restrictions relax over coming weeks, now would be a good time to make an inquiry. It's all on fishinginireland.info. I'd like to make a reminder to sea anglers, as part of the Marine Recreational Angling Survey, IFI, in consultation with stakeholders, has developed a behaviour and attitude questionnaire to inform about the state of sea angling in Ireland. We've already had a huge response. I suppose the offer of a bit of free angling gear might have helped. Anyway, if you consider yourself a sea angler, regardless of your level of ability or enthusiasm, we'd love to hear from you. Safe fishing to all, and don't forget, CPR saves fish. Miles Kelly, and an offer from Fisheries Island, which anglers may be unable to resist. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the maritime world with us. Justin was also in charge of sound supervision, and we both thank you for your company. This Island Nation is also broadcast on community radio stations around Ireland. In Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South, on Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio, in Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM, Radio Corkabashkeen in Clare, Kilkenny City Radio, West Limerick 102 FM, in Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and Eris FM Belmullet, Cork City Radio, West Cork FM and Community Radio Bear Island, on Apple Podcasts and podcasts on Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify and the marinetimes.ie. Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime Community on Community Radio. The programme email address is thisislandnation at gmail.com. That's thisislandnation at gmail.com. Phone or text 0872 555 197. That's 0872 555 197. Your comments and contributions are most welcome. Until our next programme, from Justin Marr and from me, Tom McSweeney, the usual wish of fair sailing. <laughs>